0: Okay, so we're gonna do this podcast a little bit differently. Normally, Calvin is the one that's gonna be interviewing people, but Calvin and I have become friends. By the way, I'm Casey Miller, if you're wondering. We became friends and we're talking over dinner and he was telling me this wonderful story about how he got into fitness. And I told him that he needed to share his story and I asked him if he had ever shared it on his podcast and he said no. So basically, I made him (laughs) go on a podcast with me So that way, he can finally share his amazing story, to be honest with you, with everybody, as to basically like the origin of why he's here in the first place and why he wants to help people. So, Calvin, welcome to your podcast.
1: (laughs) Blink
2: twice if you're safe. (laughs) Nothing is to my right. (laughs) Mom, I love you.
0: I did kind of make you do this, didn't I? No. (laughs) Okay, so my first question is, Kevin, why is it hard for you? Like, why have you been reluctant to share this story in the first place?
2: I guess just, like, I am not used to talking about myself in that sense just because I stand very firm of, like, not trying to be... um, speaking from like a vi- like a victim mentality or anything like that, um, like I'm more than happy to like share things that's like, I guess leaning towards educational or just like the funny and goofy stuff. Mm-hmm. Just but like my own actual story, I don't see it as personally as anything. I didn't feel like I had it that hard.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so because I've known people who've had it worse than I have. And mm-hmm. so I just position myself as, you know, you had your card, I had my card. I don't really feel like I need to talk about it.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And so that's why I don't talk about my backstory too often.
0: Yeah. But we were talking about this. um, We got practice right before this. We were talking about this where you were interviewing other people on your podcast and how it was so amazing to hear other people's stories Mm -hmm. and also them just being vulnerable with you and validating a lot of things that you feel but didn't really know if they felt that too. And it really surprised you and connected them connected you with them. Mm -hmm. Would you even say it inspired you too?
2: Every single conversation did.
0: Yeah. So then I made the point over breakfast, which he caught my face. I didn't even have to say it. It's like the same thing with you, by you sharing your story, because you shared your story with me. It was phenomenal. It was really great. It was very inspiring. Um, And I felt more connected with you as well when you were sharing it. So it's the same thing for you, for other people. Um, I know that for myself and a lot of people out there, the reason why they've got the confidence or the courage to even start creating change in their life is through other people's story. Yeah. Right? So that's the big reason why we're is there a buzz? Pipes. Pipes? Oh, okay cool. That, that scared, scared me first. Pers- <laughs> I know. <laughs> the world is like- so
2: wants to like give me a couple of heart jolts today. They're just checking <laughs> on me. Like, Calvin, you still alive there?
0: Yeah. Uh. Mainly me. Mainly the one that's scaring you. She's giving time.
2: me two pulse checks today. The first one, when we're driving down here.
0: I've got to keep you on your toes, dude.
2: Yeah, but never, like, as you're in the middle of an intersection, about <laughs> to turn right, and then all of a sudden in the, like, it's busy, morning, humans everywhere, don't want to hit, like, a baby. And she just goes... Oh,
0: you're <gasps> over-exaggerating. She's like, Look, there was no baby. I used to work
2: right sight. there. As I'm, like, turning the wheel, and I'm there like, was yeah! There nobody
0: walking. I just literally went keep going that way
2: i don't know i drive a toaster i might hit somebody some kid might run up and be like mama it's a toaster
0: i want to touch it you're just being dramatic right now calvin
2: i no i'm safe
0: <laughs> um no i was just getting back to the topic of like i just want you to share your story because i really do think that it would really inspire a lot of people okay right so um I'm just going to ask the open-ended question and just let you kind of just be authentic and be you, which is the best way possible, of just sharing your own story. Like, what drove you to be a coach in the first place?
3: So
2: what drove me to being a coach wasn't my first option. So my first thing was I wanted to go to physical therapy school. Mm -hmm. So that was my lifelong dream for, like, 10 years Mm -hmm. up From my best friend growing up, we dreamt about it in high school, talked about opening businesses together, was like, yeah, we're gonna do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, dude, best friends forever, gonna do this. And then made it through uh, undergrad, did not do great in it, I just had too much fun. And not like my grades were bad, they just weren't competitive.
0: Yeah, so hold on, pause. Can you go a little bit more into like too much fun? What do you mean by that?
2: Too much fun as in like, I got very distracted. Mm-hmm. As in, I party too much, mm-hmm. I was only focused on my girlfriend, I was focused on everybody else but what I actually wanted and what was good for me and what would be in alignment with me, but I didn't. I focused on everything on the outside, mm-hmm. trying to please everyone, trying to uh, fit in, trying to party, trying to have fun, trying to be a good boyfriend, just mm-hmm. the whole college experience thing. I was just... It was for pleasing everyone else and trying to fit in, than trying to stay in line with my goals, Mm -hmm. which my grades um, showed themselves, reflected that. So made through undergrad, that was, uh, was okay. And then I was like, okay. That was also the point at the end of it was when I had my like mental breakdown. I was at the lowest point in my entire life. Uh girlfriend and I broke up because I went against all of my morals and values and I did all the things I do not hold myself to. Lied, I cheated, and I just did all those type of things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh so that stuff happened, my health was really bad too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so? Health wise? Yeah. I There's one there is so that one, I do not feel okay sharing out in public. Mm-hmm. So there was something health-wise that I was dealing with and it affected me psychologically really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one, sorry guys, I can't, I can't, I'm not gonna share that one. Personal uh,
0: boundaries is very important. Uh,
2: so there's that one. And uh, I would, I'll tell you that one more in my like, confidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that one was uh, a thing, and, and I almost got kicked out of undergrad during that time, too. Relationship with family wasn't great. Just every, every area of my life was going down the toilet, and a lot of people left me, or I, I ruined relations, whatever. Everything went south, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go to therapy.
1: Mm-hmm. I was like, I hit
2: rock bottom. I found myself like laying on my bathroom floor so many nights just like trying to cling on to life. All this stuff, whatever. So I was like, okay, I'm like a shell of a human right now. I need to kind of like climb myself back because I'm finishing undergrad. I don't know what's happening next. I say, I want this big goal. People know me by that. Within Asian communities, parents are very proud of their children and they always introduce their kids as, this is my son and he is going to be a physical therapist. Mm-hmm. He is this, this, this. Mm-hmm. And that is how I held on my identity the whole time. It's was like, I want to be this, but then but at the end of that whole line, I wasn't that, I was whatever I was. So I was like, cool, I need to go to therapy. Otherwise I'm probably gonna end the road of like dark road, darker road I was already going on. So went to therapy, that was a lot. Um, Never thought I would need to, want to as a male. That was never something that was shown normal in my life. Um, Every male figure I've ever had just um, expressed their feelings aggressively. Uh, dad was abusive, everyone else was abusive, yelling, punching stuff, so I adopted that. Broke my hand three times growing up, being like, oh, okay, this did not work. I just mm-hmm. got medical bills. Mm-hmm. Um, so, went to therapy, that was, a, that was a great thing, really helpful there, um, and then I started grad school. Started a master's program that was my second shot. I was like, okay, why don't I go to grad school for exercise physiology, and then show these schools that I do not give up, I do not quit, and that I am passionate enough about this stuff to work with people mm-hmm. because I like to work with people. I Exercise nutrition is my uh, vehicle that I can connect with people. Mm-hmm. It's the one thing that's allowed me to connect with people in a way that makes sense to me mm-hmm. and that keeps me alive.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Is movement and then that connection with others and sharing it. So uh, I was like, okay, cool. I'm gonna go do this master's program. Did that. That was amazing. Uh, Did it during COVID. Um, So worked full time in the hospital as a CNA, uh, Mm -hmm. working with spinal cord, neuro patients, brain and traumatic injury, all that stuff.
0: Uh, You probably have some amazing stories from that.
2: Holy shit.
0: (laughs) We'll get into that. I mean, keep talking about your story, but I would love to hear about that too. (sighs)
2: Working with, Spinal cord and neuro. I have. Oh, I love them. Yeah, it's so cool. I almost like part. I'll come back to that, mm-hmm. but so that that was an amazing experience. Uh, I work with them on the physical therapy side. I work with them as a CNA nursing side of things.
0: So you do that right now currently as a profession? Mm-hmm. No.
2: That was back in undergrad and part of grad school.
0: Okay. Do you mind me asking why you never went back to it? Or
2: so. I didn't go back to it just because the facility for that is just really great here in Omaha, and now I'm in Kansas City. Okay, cool. Um, and working as a CNA and uh, certified nursing assistant, I have total regards for the nursing profession. Mm-hmm. It was amazing the things I had to go through, the level of empathy to work with these people. Of excuse me, chest bubbles. <laughs> um, working with people, and that was just amazing. Um, I feel like another life I could have, I would have went down the nursing route or even the doctor route, mm-hmm. um, more medical, but exercise is is, is my anchor. Mm-hmm. I need the training side. That's that's the other half. So I love the medical, the science side um, of all of this stuff. But then my other half is the fitness, the nutrition,
1: mm-hmm.
2: the in-person training of how just, to seeing everyone just be a dog in the gym. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. I can't leave that. Yeah. So I was like, okay, how am I gonna merge this? And that was what gave me physical therapy. It was the intersection between those two worlds gave me physical therapy. So I was like, okay, cool. That's gonna be what I'm gonna do. But coming back to the story. um, So grad school worked in all that stuff. And then, so yeah, full-time that, full-time grad school. During COVID time, I basically worked, lived out of uh, stories. The one on the... Oh, yeah. Floor. That I, coffee.
0: That's a good po- coffee place.
2: Yeah. I basically did half of grad school there.
0: Oh, nice.
2: Yeah. So that was super fun, actually. <laughs> it was... So that place is super nostalgic for me. Yeah. So I have very fond memories of every time I go back. That's, yeah. like, one of the first places I visit. Yeah. Because it's just a...
1: Oh.
0: It's, it's, like, one of those places that it just has a really good vibe. Like... A lot of the entrepreneurs go there, or a lot of students, like, you can just feel it. Mm-hmm. Whenever I go in there, I feel like I just want to, like, work for hours. I just get in such, like, a groove. That's right. So, yeah. I love- totally understand you going there for uh, your studies.
2: The the tall table with the light coming down? Yeah. That puts me in such a zone. Really? I don't know how. It just, I, I feel like everything blacks out.
0: But it's right in front of the coffee, like, stand, or the... Register yeah. right?
2: Yeah.
0: I would get so distracted all the time.
2: So for some reason that doesn't distract me. Oh. That like, impa- that like, flames me up.
1: Oh. It's,
2: it's just like background noise and music. And sometimes oh, it's sense. nice to, like, that's why I love coffee shops. Because it's like, I don't get too much human interactions. Yeah. And so being in a coffee shop for the experience, the coffee, the, the life that's happening all around me. Yeah. The conversations, the smiles. Yeah. I love that, yeah. cause I grew up not seeing so much of that, mm-hmm. and so just seeing the joy on other people's faces make me smile, mm-hmm. and so being in coffee shops, I love being around that. And then I'm like, okay, you guys are everyone's in their little worlds, yeah. And I'm in mine. And I'm just like, let's do some shit.
0: Yeah, I let's feel that.
2: Do some science here. Yeah.
0: So okay, you went and you stayed a lot of, uh, spent a lot of time in stories yep. for your studies. Then what happened next?
2: So that uh, went to grad school, did that. That was a hoot. Um, How did you do? I got my first 4.0 in grad school. I ended up with a 3.5 GPA. Um... I so I so when you're in grad school there's two routes you can do it the thesis route or mm-hmm. the non-thesis and what that basically means is the thesis is you're doing like one big research project at the end and you have to defend it being like hey I did science
0: mm-hmm.
2: you got, does this, count? Does, this <laughs> did, ca- does this count
0: I did this thing called science <laughs> yeah
2: thumbs up thumbs down yay nay can I leave <laughs> That's basically that. Yeah. Um so you take less academic coursework for that yeah. or the other route um where you just only take coursework mm-hmm. and I tried being a graduate assistant but the two labs um they weren't taking any more students.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And s- something happened in undergrad that gave me an extremely bad reputa- reputation to where it, the word got spread and mm-hmm. the professors didn't want me. So mm-hmm. no one believed in me mm-hmm. and everyone thought I was just in I'm wasn't. i I'm, I'm just there, I'm not gonna put in the work, and mm-hmm. I'm not worth anyone's time. Mm-hmm. And I saw so many judgments, side-eyes, even though I tried, and they're like, nope. So I was like, okay, whatever. I'll go work in a hospital, work, I'll, I'll do it myself. I'll figure this shit out. Mm-hmm. I'll get my own experience with people, and I'll just do the books. Mm-hmm. And then I actually took my PhD, first PhD level course there, uh, cardiopulmonary physiology course, mm-hmm. and I took that class at the med center with the other grad students that had required to do it, I mm-hmm. did it voluntarily because I'm yeah. like, I want to be sharp.
1: Yeah.
2: So I was like, fuck it, I'll just go do it. And so did that, got an A minus out of it, with med students and other PhD students and lab mates, and that was like the coolest moment. I was like, I actually kept up.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And growing up, I was never academically inclined. Mm-hmm. I have failed so many, so much in my life. Um, like people who are in school are like, oh, I've never failed a class. No, I've, I've failed like dozens of fucking times. Yeah, I've retaken so many classes. Mm-hmm. I've barely gone to college. Like, my mom owns a nail salon, mm-hmm. and she even said that she was talking about me with one of her customers, who used to be my teacher, and the teacher aud- audibly said, I never thought he would make it to college. She said to my mom. <laughs> and then my mom told me, because then she was very proud to say like, he's actually in a master's program. Mm-hmm. So my mom was pissed when she heard that. Mm-hmm. So that was cool, and I didn't, so, Teachers have never believed in me.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so did that, did that thing. That was super dope. Applied for PT school afterwards. Um, made the big move to Kansas City um, on a whim, with my best friend in grad school at the time, and applied to uh, PT school. Got the knife on every single one, uh, because I've taken too many courses. And the way that PT school works is that they formulate their own GPA for you. Mm-hmm. So even though my undergrad was a three one, grad was three five. They gave me two seven and pt school the barrier of entry is three 3.0 it's because i've taken too many credits because i've had, had to take re, retake too many classes
0: Oh, okay cool. so
2: all the points shuffled out gave me a 27 so mathematically i physically can't get in yeah so that was a hard pill to swallow i bet and during that time was all the family stuff i was super poor trying to work trying to find a job got denied from all my schools waited 10 went on this road for 10 years didn't know what was happening uh that was when i found out my dad wasn't my dad
0: well oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah well, that
3: was I mean, kind we're of a gonna, big one like
0: we're gonna get into that but i like before we get into um the adversity that you had to go through before even remotely going to college
1: yeah
0: right like I think that a lot of people in their mind, a lot of the successful people did everything perfect, Mm -hmm. that they got the straight A's, they did everything right, they never got into trouble. Um, But in reality, a lot of the most influential people in life period are the ones that are completely against the grain, that have experienced the most amount of adversity. Like one of the things that you mentioned earlier where you've failed, I don't know how many classes, right? But then, you decided, and this is like this is like the make or break between people who are just kind of the run in the mill or the truly influential people that are going to go somewhere. Is not that they're perfect, but it's because they choose a specific route to help them build themselves, right? Like, how many influential people out there don't even go to college or failed out of college? Yeah. Michael Jordan is a perfect example. Like he didn't even make his what, what was it like a high school varsity team? Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's one of the most famous basketball players ever. It's because he, like you, had a choice. You could let it tear you down or build you up. And you decided to let it build you up. You were literally everything working against you. Everybody was like, nope, don't even want to bet on you just because you're past. And you're like, excuse my language, I'm a daughter of a construction worker. Fuck it.
2: Oh yeah, we cuss all the time on our Okay, on cool. This. Awesome. Good.
0: <laughs> then I'm in the right place. Fuck is my favorite word. Okay. Um, but you, you basically just said, like, screw it. Like, I am going to do it my way, and I'm going to do it myself. And, like, seriously, that right there is inspiring. Thank you. It is. And then there's a whole lot of other stuff that's ex- extremely inspiring, a lot of adversity that you've had to overcome in your life. Um, so we were talking about college, but some of the really – inspiring things that i heard too was before college your upbringing Mm. and also you're talking about your father things like that which i didn't want to dive into and you brought it up so do you mind just sharing your experience before college of like just some of the adversity that you went through
2: yeah um so no way in any of this i want to paint my mom as the bad guy and any of this stuff. She's an immigrant. She came to the country 14, 15, all this stuff. And so she's also a business owner. I was basically raised by women, uh, my mom and then my aunt. Um, and so no way I want I, I, to, th- she gave me the best childhood that she knew how to do. Mm-hmm. And by putting money on the table, she built mm-hmm. her own business up from nothing coming over here, had three or four salons
3: mm-hmm.
2: in the middle of the Midwest. Learning the language, salons in a predominantly white um, area.
0: While raising kids.
2: Yes, an ethnic immigrant woman. She had everything against the world for her. Mm-hmm. There's so many reasons to tell her that she was gonna fail. Mm-hmm. But she built four businesses, four salons. Mm-hmm. That's no easy feat. And my and my aunt is in the other side of that type of business over in California. Mm-hmm. So, they did the best they can. And I will not. I, even though my mom made decisions that I don't agree with. For I have to always look at it from her perspective in that moment, and I forgive her for it because if I were to hate her for it, I, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But basically, where I'm going with this is so, my childhood was very rocky through my perspective. So my dad, who I thought was my dad till about 13, 14, uh, was very abusive, verbally, emotional, um, all that stuff. Um, one time I thought I was gonna die. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that one that one was tough. That, uh, yeah, so that stuff, uh, he split when I was like 13, 14. We had to move, she lost all of her business down to one. We moved into a tiny apartment, me and my siblings. Um, I got into a lot of dumb stuff, like smoking weed, taking pills, drinking alcohol all at the age of 12. Mm -hmm. So actually no, this all started when I was 11 to 12 and I got into all that stuff when I was 12. Um, Dumb stuff, I have a brand on my arm because of how messed up I was doing all that stuff because I wanted to feel something. So that is not cool. (laughs) So hopefully I get that tattooed and covered up one day because it's not cool. Um, So yeah, got into all those stuff. started smoking cigarettes, the things that my father did, and I'm like, ah, okay, let's not do this. Mm-hmm. All that stuff. Um, so family- How old
0: were you around this time? Do you mind me asking? Oh, middle school. Middle school?
2: I started all, this all happened 12. 12? 12. 12 to all the way up.
0: And so you were brought up in a very unsafe home?
2: Um, not unsafe. My mom and my my, my my parents were too focused on keeping the lights on. Mhm. My mom, she has the largest heart I've ever known of anyone. Mm-hmm. And I strive to have the level of empathy and heart that my mom has. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes she goes to Vietnam and she'll make food and walk down the homeless areas and just hand food out.
0: That's beautiful.
2: She does that. Yeah. And ever since she told me that when I was a child, I Made it a mission to always remember to lead with my heart first in life mm-hmm. because that's what she does. Yeah. She's not perfect, but with this card stacked against her, she did the best she could mm-hmm. and she got me this far.
0: That's literally life. That's literally every single person. Nobody's perfect. There's like, Seriously, if you can wake up every single day literally just trying to do your best, that's all you can do. Because right? I
2: know my mom and I know she never does anything with a bad intention. Mm-hmm. She's just human and she's trying to do her best. Mm-hmm. So, but gr- my childhood, to make this make more sense, um, parents were absent because they were trying to keep the lights on, have the nice things that they never had because they grew mm-hmm. up in a room half the size of this back in Vietnam. No way. So they had nothing, mm-hmm. literally bare bottom, nothing. So they were very business work, did all that. I tried to make friends growing up. It was always tough because I felt like, an, uh, like a black sheep all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Dad, when he was around, was just abusive. Hard time with that. Once they got divorced, he only kept in contact with my siblings, not me. He never wanted to do anything with me or kept any contact with me. So there was a continuous reminder every few days of like, hey, I don't like you and you're my son. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what did I do? Mm -hmm. That just existed. Mm -hmm. So that is tough. Um, And that went on for years until he uh, lost contact with my siblings. So probably up until like when I went to college. So from the rest of middle school to high school was the, every other day or weekly reminder of like, oh yeah, your dad doesn't want to talk to you. So that was just in my face every single day. Never went to, th- uh, I tried going to therapy with my parents like one or two times, but mm-hmm. I was too stubborn. And I was like, I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm. So I outsmarted the therapist and I was like, I'm fine. Because I knew how to get out of situations like that. So. There's that. Um, so I grew up around just really bad kids. Um, now, some of them are in jail. Some of them are in gangs. Um, some of them I re- reconnected in high school when they stole money from me. Um, all the type of people that you don't want to associate with. Um, but they were the friends I needed in that period of time mm-hmm. that gave me a childhood.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Even though it, hel- it made me grow up too fast, I think, that I had to learn to see the dark side of the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you mind me asking a little bit more about? What do you mean by the dark side of the world?
2: Um, I will answer that and I gotta restart this. Okay, cool. (laughs) Okay, and for you guys listening, I'm limited on gear, so my camera can only record for 29 minutes at a time, so I just have to keep hitting that re-record, but to you guys, it's only like five second blurb. So if you're in a car listening, you didn't miss anything. but what I mean by that is, just I was around people that smoked weed, alcohol, uh, nicotine, um, meth, cocaine. I, I've I've seen every single thing. I went to parties when people did all that stuff. Um, uh, saw people doing like sexual stuff in the rooms, the drugs, everything. I just went to parties, went to people's houses, um, went to drug deals did all of that stuff, I got exposed to every single thing, from things with my uh, black friends, from my Mexican friends. Um, I was always like, let's go. Mm-hmm. I just was like, whoever gave me, I can find friends and tension, I would go to it. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like I saw all the bad, that just the darker the, si- the that side of the world. Mm-hmm. If and that, again,
0: remind me, how old were you during this Middle
2: school, time? high school. M- m- middle school. Middle school. So I got exposed to everything in so, middle school.
0: 12, 13. Mm-hmm. You were experiencing everything. a lot of things that most adults never experience in their life.
2: Yeah, I expo- I got exposed to everything Yeah. when I was in middle school. So I feel like I, to me, I feel like I lived chapters of my life a whole, like, five years ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So, like, I felt like in middle school, I was living my, like, high school years, mm-hmm. or it was like college years. Mm-hmm. And then high school, I felt like I was living my college years. Mm-hmm. So to me, I feel like I'm like in my mid thirties now, mm-hmm. just because I've had to, I just, I just experienced so much and mm-hmm. I just had to catch up to mm-hmm. what's happening and then keep going. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know what that means, but I just feel like I'm living a decade ahead of what I actually am. Mm-hmm. So, balls.
0: <laughs> it just means that you're an old soul. I really am. <laughs> You're like, you have no idea. Why kind look. of a grandpa.
2: <laughs> I really am. In bed by 8.30. <laughs> Sleep by 9, hopefully. Yeah. Um.
0: Same here. I'm grandma. I'm Mima. My nickname used to be Mima. Ah, Yes. Mima. Yes. Okay. But, okay, so just to summarize everything.
2: Uh. Yeah, so summarize my childhood. I got exposed to a lot of bad things. Or, I'm going to
0: summarize it because you... Sorry. I, like, this is one of your habits I want you to, like... Work on, if it's okay, is that you do try to downgrade a lot of these things. Okay. Right. Like you just said that you honestly didn't really go through a lot. I think that a lot of people are listening to this right now are probably like, holy shit, I did not know about like this about Calvin. Like I did not know this story. And again, like some of the my most favorite people in the whole world are people who are like you, who have gone through a lot of adversity. Like, you went through a traumatic childhood where your mom, phenomenal, did everything she could for you. She has the biggest heart, and she just gives. And she did everything that she could to provide for you, but you also lived in an unsafe environment from your father. And then from there, at a very, very young age where kids are just learning about freaking like life life period like don't even know what sex is in the first place and you're already being exposed to drugs sex drug deals probably some really like life-altering experiences at the age of 12 and 13 which most people don't even experience their whole life a lot of the things that you've gone through i've never experienced in my life at all and so
2: i guess so it was so normal to me
0: yeah I think that's what it is, is that you've been so exposed to all this stuff that it doesn't seem like a lot to you. But, like, from an outsider hearing it, it's actually a very inspiring story that you have gone through a lot of adversity. And, like, we're going to keep going because the story's not done, guys. But I've only had
3: 13. (laughs) I
0: just want to, I just want to, it's not necessarily being like, oh, woe is me. I went through a lot of trauma kind of a thing, because I know I'm the same way. Like, I, I have a story of my own, and if somebody's like, oh, woe, is you, I'm like, fuck you, <laughs> like, no, this does not fly. Mm-hmm. It's more of like being proud of what you've overcome. Right, it's not, I, I've learned over a period of time that it's not something to hide from or be embarrassed about. It's something to be very proud of, because you had a choice. You could have let all this stuff that we're gonna be talking about break you down, but you chose to use it as an experience to build you up and pursue something that really just lights a fire underneath you and make like take chances and do things that most people are absolutely terrified of. Like you're chasing after your dreams. At the age of 27, you have more guts and balls than most people. Most people are like, whoa, is me. Okay, great, I'm just gonna get married and, and have kids and not chase after my dreams, which if those are your dreams, that's great, but there's a lot of people that have other dreams beyond that. That they've never had the guts to do and you're doing that despite everything that has happened in your life that is something to be very proud of so can you promise me to stop downplaying that and start being proud of it i will okay cool it'll be a work in progress but then i'll just annoy the shit out of you and make sure that you remember just give me a
2: couple of heart checks
0: <laughs> i can keep scaring you i can definitely do that okay so going into middle school. all right? You're going through those events. So what happens after that will follow.
2: So, did all that stuff, well, middle school, we moved we we moved again. Um
0: Where did you move to?
2: So, I was like in Bellevue, South Omaha area. Mm-hmm. Um I've been to seven or eight schools in my entire life.
0: Is it all in the Omaha area or
2: uh, in every uh, like every town? Okay. So, I'm very seasoned to pick up and go
1: mm-hmm.
2: so yeah, move all the time, all that stuff. So all the middle school stuff, cool. went to high school, did a normal high school years. Um, I was running track, doing that stuff, trying to kind of keep have my head on straight because me and my friend were like, "Yeah, we're gonna go be doctors of physical therapies and open businesses and have all the girls.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> have all
1: the girls all
2: the girls. <laughs>
0: Physical therapy is just raking in all the babes. <laughs> just so
2: many. <laughs> They're going to be so cool. So cool. Um, but then I tore my ACL uh, my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. The first time, uh, I've had three total knee surgeries. And it wasn't anything cool. I was I jumped over a couch. <laughs> trying to impress a girl and long jumping the couch. I stuck the landing, but I it wasn't it's not cool
0: did you end up getting the girl no ah fuck
2: (laughs) no so don't ever impress girls because you you just end up with a broken knee
0: yeah that's very true
2: yeah so blew out my knee went through rehab for that and then the rest of high school um never picked up any sports or exercise or anything because i just was wanting to party and have fun and hang out and just be a high school kid so, smoked a lot of weed. ungodly godly amount.
0: <laughs> I you said you used a lot of weed.
2: <laughs> just like, straight candid. Just yeah. so much. <laughs> um, yeah, so that happened. So, high school was pretty normal. Just hung out with friends and just smoked a lot of weed <laughs> and got C's. Yeah. Um, then, getting ready for college, trying to figure that out. Um, taking to ACT. Um, I always... That was so hard for me. I and I'll be honest. I got a 13 on my ACT. I took mm-hmm. it four times, mm-hmm. so I barely got in. U and O was my last resort,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and just because I didn't know how to take the tests. I, looking back now, I just didn't know how to take a test. I didn't know how to keep my ADD like together, mm-hmm. uh, comprehend it. Um, I honestly thought I was just, like I thought I was stupid.
1: Mm-hmm. I thought I was so dumb.
2: Yeah, around all my friends, like I thought I was like an idiot.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: I was like, okay, well, somehow I. Was able to hail mary this you and I accepted me on a whim, so I was like, okay, college. Let's try it better. Um, so I tore my ACL in like sophomore year of high school. Four years later, freshman year uh, um, of high school. No, sorry, freshman year of college. And during that time was when I started my uh, my spark for fitness actually ignited. It was I saw this dude in a gym. He was tall. He had tattoos, and he was strong. Yeah. So like and I, I, I walked up to him. I was like, "Dude, how do I be like you?" <laughs> I was like, "You look like dope. How do I be like you?" <laughs> he was like, "I'll show you." So we did Fran. Oh boy. Because he was doing CrossFit, and um,
0: for those of you that don't know, Fran is what is Fran again?
2: Was it Fran or Jackie? I think no. Uh, sorry, sorry. It was it was Jackie. It uh, had to do something with kettlebell swings or a bunch of barbell like thrusters. Yeah. I can't remember exactly, but it was, like, a lot of stuff that I don't know how to do. A
0: lot of crossfit stuff.
2: Yeah, all I knew how to do was push-ups, bicep curls, and, like, thousands of sit-ups until I, like, severed my neck. You know, like, cranking your neck.
0: Oh, okay, cool. I was like, did you literally do that? Because I would not be surprised by you hurting yourself because of all the random injuries so far that I've heard of.
2: This, this is true. Yes, It wouldn't very true. be too outside. So, anyways... Um, did that with him, and I was like, I fell in love with it. I mm-hmm. was like, how do I do this? He's like, go to CrossFit gym. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I found my uh, closest CrossFit gym, went there, and they taught me everything. I was like, I want to be a games athlete. <laughs> so, I'm going to be so strong and so smart and get all the girls. <laughs> it's going to be the best time ever.
0: You basically got in the fitness just because you wanted to be strong and get all the girls.
2: Uh, like every other dude. <laughs> I am a five foot six, I was like, I am five foot six, I think it's taller, I'm five foot six and I was like a buck 20 or something, buck 30. I was like, I need to get girls. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, how do I do this? And so it's cool to see the evolution of my passion for fitness, my obsession with it. Um, So CrossFit taught me all the things with it and I was like, cool, I'll go. And then got to college, I was like, cool, I'll do the pre-PT route exercise stuff, it's perfect. You should probably learn how to lift if you're going to work with people and teach them how to lift or regress their strength conditioning to like rehab world. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, logic. So went to undergrad, joined a fraternity, had a girlfriend, um, did all that stuff, had fun, tore my ACL again. Sophomore year, and then that became a two-part surgery. So I had to rehab for it, learned that. So rehab for it. Um, got the surgery, something else happened, learned that and he had another bone surgery with it. It's it's kind of a long deal. So it was like a two and a half year process that I was, I didn't have a stable left knee from sophomore year up to senior year.
0: And it was all because you tried to impress a girl.
2: It all started because of women. Don't chase the girls.
0: they are going to. We're just going to blame it on the woman. It's fine. I'm going to let that pass. It's okay. It's okay. Back to your story. Okay, so full circle about getting back to college. So
2: yeah, um, yes. So did all that stuff, all the rehabbing, which um, ignited my fire even more for like the rehab world, of working with people. And I'm like, yeah. yes, this is what I'm gonna do. All the surgeries that took a hindrance on things. My grade took a, uh, a nose dive. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever, all that stuff, and then knees good now. Trained a lot of different ways. Did not make the CrossFit game, sadly.
1: Ah oh, man. Um, oh. So
2: fit. <laughs> I paid it to the very un- undergrad. My GPA was 3.1, so I was like, okay, crap. Uh, grad school, got up to there, and I actually started coaching people for the first time in 2020 nice. um, because I was like, cool, I'm going to do this slightly on the side um, while I'm trying to get into PT school and then actually mm-hmm. have a business later and then kind of going back to the beginning. Hopefully the story's not too long. Um, now I find out I'm didn't get into any of my PT schools and I'm like I don't know what is happening and I'm like I have these side clients I'm working and I'm like I didn't plan on having an actual business until like later Mm -hmm. and then I was like I don't know what I'm doing and what really saved me is um like we were talking about this earlier it's like you know, um, like the whole saying of like you are the sum of the people around you, mm-hmm. and I had no one around me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, people in high, uh, college and like afterwards, I just didn't keep in contact because we just weren't we, we just weren't in line with partying and all that stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, um, how do I change my environment? Okay, well, I moved to a different state. That didn't solve my life problems. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, try that. That didn't work. It was fun, but now I'm here. Mm-hmm. What do I do? Okay, so how do I do this? Running up and talking to someone in person is scary. Okay. Um, so I'm going to join a CrossFit gym and be forced to coach people in person and go talk to people in person. Cool. Let's make it as hard as humanly possible <laughs> to get past my public speaking and talking to people. I'm just going to go yeah. talk to people all day long yeah. and have a Marine veteran yell at me in the ear because he owns the gym and yeah. teach me because he taught Marines how to work with people
1: mm-hmm.
2: brilliant let's make it as hard as possible for me <laughs> so that was my mentality it was like if I'm if I suck at something I'm just going to choose the hardest path possible and just try it
1: yeah
2: I was like I'll just I'll just make it as hard as possible because mm-hmm. that's the theme of my life um so did that got better there um So yeah, doing that, um, got some of the clients on the side and, oh yeah, the, some of people thing. I was like, okay, so how do I, I changed my environment that didn't work, working with people in person, trying to get better there. It's like, cool. How do I start training my mind to people around me? How do I get inspired and all that stuff? So I started listening to a lot of podcasts. Mm -hmm. Um, social media is honestly, I would, I would say social media saved my life. Mm -hmm. Um, because it gave me a sense of community, even though I weren't connected from these people. It gave me mentors mentors that I did not have access to and everything. It's And I didn't have, I don't have money to invest into other coaches and like larger mentors and stuff. And I understand the values and I uh, advantages with that. But I was like, okay, how can I do this the most resourceful way I can? Because I'm a resourceful person. So I'm like, let's fucking do this. Mm-hmm. If other people can do it, I can do this. So I started... Making sure my social media feeds were everything I, I needed to become a better version of me. Mm-hmm. So I started unfollowing people I don't talk to, people that content I don't want to see. People are just posting just dumb shit I don't want to see.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
2: People, I, whatever. I just started unfollowing everyone and I only followed people that were inspirational. I would consume, I would listen to three to four podcasts, four hours of conversations a day. Passively trying to learn everything I can from a business perspective, from a writing perspective, from an artist. Um, Because with my science side, I was like, okay, how can I break this down to the most simplest foundation, the base I can that would have the largest return on my life? Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Okay, I need to learn how to think. Mm -hmm. I was like, how do I learn how to think? Okay, I need to learn how to read. I need to learn how to digest, take an input. Okay, I need to start reading shit. Mm-hmm. So, reading academic self help books, those were like my bread and butter. So, I was like, cool, I'm gonna consume, it. I'm gonna read a bunch of shit, I'm gonna think about it. I'm like, okay, what, what am I gonna do next after that? All right, I'm gonna start writing because my thoughts are so scattered and I can't filter it. I need a filtering system, mm-hmm. I need a practice. So, let's, um, so I'm thinking, I'm reading, now I'm gonna start writing. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's start writing because you suck at writing. AC, the ACT showed that. Cool. So I'm gonna start writing, awesome. Um, Now I'm gonna start actually speaking it to use Mm -hmm. it and actually apply it, Um, like recalling it. It's like, cool, working with people, talking, trying to make content online, okay. Um, I I have a lot of fear in front of the camera and talking, expressing myself, great, let's keep doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, And okay, how do I apply it in in the physical sense? Perfect, I'm gonna work with people um, and coach them. If I can't go to physical therapy school, I'm gonna be the best goddamn fucking trainer I can.
1: No.
2: Because I, I have worked with spinal cord um, patients. I've worked with neuro traumatic brain injuries. I've worked with um, con- cognitively impaired children and taught them how to swim. Mm-hmm. I've worked with now um, athletes from 14 to 72. I've worked with professional combat athletes now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm just gonna start fucking working in every single th- area I can and drive in these five domains Mm. and consume content from people in every one of these areas someone who's a great writer i'm gonna consume all their stuff so i created my environment through my phone through social media because i'm like if i don't have the money i have the access with my phone i'm gonna create my circle myself even though i don't have the chance to talk to them
1: Mm
2: -hmm. they're speaking out to me and i'm going to try to one day give that back to them mm-hmm. or love to reach out to them or meet them one day and just tell them you saved my life Yeah, and so I made my circle and these are like the five domains I base uh, my foundation in and I drive them as far as I can through training and exercise
1: Jeez.
0: I we could take so much just from what you just said is that a lot no that was just like amazing points and just some things that I want to point out so like the first thing is big one is like social media you have a little bit of a different view on social media which i think it's actually the appropriate view right so many people like to demonize social media um think it's uh causing poor mental health and i think that it's it can be if you use it in a certain way it's a tool just like anything else You can you can learn how to use it appropriately in appropriate manners yeah go for it (laughs) Get your security blanket. Security blanket.
1: <laughs> I've had
0: mine the whole time.
1: Security um, blanket.
0: But it's like it's a tool. It's it's how you use it that matters. So if you're bringing in shit, yeah, it makes sense that it's going to affect your mental health. But you have the ability, you have the ability to go in and filter out all the people that don't add value to your life and then actually use the tool to help you learn more. There's so much information. We live in the day and age where it is never going to get easier than it is right now, unless technology keeps getting better, but it's only going to get easier. Okay. Animated the, there and make sure I don't knock that down. It's okay. It's only going to get easier. Like seriously, the answers to what you want, it's out there. You just have to go and find it. And that's what you did. You didn't have a lot of resources. You didn't have a lot of money. So you used what you had, which is the next thing that I want to point out. Is that like something that I talk about with our clients a lot is your mindset because your perception is your reality right you create your own reality if you think it, it's probably going to happen and so a lot of times people have this mindset of uh, problem oriented mindset where it's like oh woe it's me you could easily have been like i have all these different things working against me so i might as well just not try at all right but you decide to be like fuck that like screw my professors screw my circumstances screw my past screw everything I'm going to figure it out whatever way that I can. And then the next thing I want to point out is like, it's really interesting. It's like, you're like, okay, I suck at this. So I am going to figure out how to get good at it. And not only that, but I'm going to figure out the quickest way to do it, which is always the hardest way, right? Putting yourself in circumstances where you can't run away from it. You just dive head first in and you have both feet in the door. You're not just putting a toe in there. And so it's all these different choices that you have made over a period of time that has led you into a position where not only are you proving everybody wrong, but you're putting yourself in a position where you truly are helping people and you're chasing after your dreams.
2: And with that, the first point you said there, that took a long time for me to learn, except is that I don't want to prove it. I don't want to prove others wrong.
0: Yeah, it's not. I,
2: I just want to prove myself right, that I can, that I can actually make it through this. Because at an early age, I never thought I'd make it this far.
0: No. Which is actually probably one of the reasons why you're here today. You have more of an intrinsic motivation right? versus extrinsic. Extrinsic is like people that are outside. Or people are things that are outside, like impressing girls. Um, proving other people wrong out of spite or jealousy or things like that. That's external um, influences. Versus intrinsic is coming within. So It may have started from extrinsic, like I want to impress girls, but over a period of time, you have started developing intrinsic motivation where it's like, it's literally just for me now. It's not for anybody else. It's just because I believe that I deserve this and I believe that I'm capable. And I believe if I put hard work in, I can help a lot of people and do what I love every single day. That's fucking inspiring. That right there is probably one of the hardest transitions for people to understand and put into action. And if you are, like, seriously, the sky is the limit. If you keep having that mindset of like, I'm just gonna eat a bunch of shit sandwiches over and over again, but it does not tie to my value. And I'm not going to give up because I truly believe that I deserve to do this. Like I am capable of doing this. Um, a lot of people, like I'm, I love mindset. And so what you're basically displaying in your life is the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. The fixed mindset is what keeps you stuck, right? It keeps you very unfulfilled and oppressed and not achieving the things that you want and kind of like the woe is me victim mindset versus the growth mindset. And so the differences between the two, it's very simple.
2: That was one of the books I read yeah. um, by Dr. Carol De- uh, DeWick.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really good book. Really good book. And the the simple definition is a fixed mindset is the belief that you're incapable and unworthy of change. That's it. That's literally it versus the growth mindset is just the belief that you are capable and you are worthy of change. Mm -hmm. And those that have a growth mindset typically are very, very successful in life. There's very little that they can't achieve.
2: And that's, that was one of the things that, and something I've like learned is like, you have to zoom out and I, you have to zoom out because the answer is always in front of you. Every opp like there's every opportunity, Mm -hmm. everything's there in front of you. There's a lesson to be learned out of anything. It's just, you're just too zoomed in. So you Mm -hmm. just have to zoom out as far as you can. And what I learned was that all people who are doing great things, things that you want to like, Get, like, reach like get to the level they are mm-hmm. everyone's leaving behind breadcrumbs you just have to zoom fucking as far as you can out and then trait map it back to where they started mm-hmm. everyone leaves breadcrumbs you don't have to reinvent the wheel just do the shit that worked, at the, for, worked for them Yes. and then give your own twist and iteration everyone's leaving breadcrumbs whatever cards or hands you have in your life it's your own and it's what you got and there's two things I've found true in life through my lens, eyes is that, how do I want to say this? Uh, the only thing that it's like, you choose the lens you want to see the world through and then how are you gonna respond? Which lens do you want to see and how are you gonna to respond to it? Mm-hmm. That's the only two things I've found that I can control in this world are my eyes how I see it then what am I gonna do next with mm-hmm. these hands everything else is out of my control
1: mm-hmm.
2: so that if I can always zoom out recenter myself before I take any action I'm like okay you know those like old um toy goggles with like different colors the lenses you can like shift them
0: yes I love those things
2: mentally I pull it up yeah and I'm just like let's keep flicking until I find the lens that's going to serve me well mm-hmm. and then let me walk through it
1: mm-hmm.
2: does it work Nope. I'll come back. Mm-hmm. I'll just keep flipping and I'll us try again.
1: No.
0: And I think that's another thing is, is that like, you never, you do a really great job of not seeing something where it doesn't work or you failed. It's, it's just like, Hey, like it doesn't tie to my value. It just didn't work. And I'm going to take that as a learning lesson and I'm going to move on. Like that's another trait of very highly successful people, whether it is through entrepreneur uh, like an entrepreneurial like journey, or it's nutrition or fitness. Those that are very, very successful don't tie their value to whether or not they're successful at like something that they're working on or not. right? it's It's more of like, hey, this is just an opportunity to learn. It, it doesn't knock your ego or anything like that. It's just like, okay, that didn't fucking work. What can I learn? Okay, move on, switch the lens. Versus others, they get really stuck. It's like they try this this method of meal prepping. And they're like, well, fuck it, that didn't work, so I'm just not going to meal prep at all. And it's like, no, you just need to flip the lens. What's another way to do it? What's another opportunity to learn? You didn't succeed at that one, but you learned some key lessons that you can take in the next one. And so, like that, that is a trait of a very successful person, which is really cool to hear that you've you've done that your whole life.
2: There's actually is one more thing I want to share because that was a really good point. Yeah. Um, but go to the camera again. Do, do protect your blanket so and I, this will circle back and answer your kind of to your other questions of what I actually do now as a full-time job mm-hmm. and how I got like why what I coach and yeah. stuff um, so like I've only been KC for like two years so that first year was the whole coaching world crashing down life falling to pieces um, mm-hmm can't forget that (laughs) and so all that stuff and i'm like okay cool i'm barely making any money barely able to pay rent so i'm like okay i need to i'm not coming in clients whatever so i got my first like actual big boy job and that's working as an exercise physiologist Mm -hmm. with bariatric patients and what bariatric patients mean is individual people who are going getting medical prescribed weight loss Mm -hmm. and so with us uh we have a team of uh dietitian me as the exercise physiologist and then the surgeons mm-hmm. and my role plays um, two parts one part is the educating classes so talk to hundreds of people um, daily and I just teach and I educate them one topic on aerobic mm-hmm. one topic on lifting and another one on the six weeks of things that they should know about post-surgery mm-hmm. of like oh you might want to know that mm-hmm. I was like okay cool And then the other part is me in the clinic with them actually talking to them in the doctor's office. Mm -hmm. However, I do have a lot of constraints there as I'm trying to talk to people who do not know what exercise is, who are from rural areas, who social economic status do not have the money, the access, the feasibility to go to a gym or the knowledge or the self-belief, all the fucking barriers you can think of. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to talk to them in a doctor's office as a young cis asian fit male Mm -hmm. i don't look demographically anywhere near them Mm -hmm. so immediately i'm going to be attacked with judgment and i'm talking about exercise and majority of my patients are women and so i'm like this is fucking hard
0: (laughs) yeah just being a male um a male coach in the fitness industry because statistically it's mostly women that actually Are reaching out for help most men I are either like in a position where they're like fuck it I'll figure out my own or they're too proud to ask for help Mm -hmm. so I I, like just from being experienced I have multiple people on staff that are men coaches and I'm just like you have it harder you're gonna have women that are just be like fuck you you're a man you don't know what it means when my period health isn't great like you don't know what it feels like or menopause You just have a lot more working against you. Do you feel like that experience has made you a better coach?
2: This was, at first, I hated this job. Yeah. I hated the experience. I hated what was happening. But then I caught myself being like, what are you doing? You're gonna get stuck here if you keep thinking like that. You know that the the way you think like that has never served you well.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Audit, audit yourself. And so what I do a lot of time is I spend a lot of time alone. And when I say alone, I'm not lonely. I'm intentionally being in like solitude Mm -hmm. because I need to think. Mm -hmm. I need to learn how I think and learn how to best respond Mm -hmm. with anything that comes in my way. And so I'm like, okay, I have this opportunity. The money's great. And then I was like, okay. And then all that stuff. But I'm like, I can get stuck here. And I want to build a business and all this stuff on the side. But I have very little time and energy because talking to people, being in a clinic, talking to dozens of patients, teaching classes online, and no one gives a fuck is so draining. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And I talk to hundreds of people a week, and I'm like, okay, how can I recenter this? How can I reframe this? So I'm like, take this as a learning opportunity. You were literally talking to someone that's on the other side of the world, basically. Mm -hmm. How can I get, how can I pass my fire to them? Mm. It's not gonna be through physiology. It's not gonna be talking about reps, sets, programming, and the ones and zeros. That stuff is fun, Mm -hmm. but I'm not using that. And I'm like, okay, how do I talk to them? And so one of the mentors that I've circled myself with online is the muscle doc. Sorry, I don't
1: want to be
2: Oh, sorry. Um, it's fine. You could can. I could I extend it?
1: Yeah, you can. Yeah, uh, you don't gotta worry about the
2: thirty minutes. That's our fault. We okay. Can check up on it. But, no, no worries. So when you're done, uh, you can just uh, come back and
0: pay for it at the end. Of for sure. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Thank you. Okay. Oops. And back to the story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, guys, we're in a room that I rented out, and I guess I should have rented out longer. Might be.
0: Well, I never even knew about this room.
2: Yeah, and I. It's pretty dope. And I thought. the aesthetics
0: are nice. I mean, yeah. look at that brick wall. It's so nice. Yeah.
2: But, sorry, okay. Uh, where was I? Muscle dock. Yeah. yeah. So, that was one of the things I did. Um, you know how it's like you gotta be in rooms with people who are better than you and everything. Mm-hmm. So. November of 2021, I booked a strength conditioning seminar with other really smart, great coaches in the world and in Miami, Florida. And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't have the mean, so I'm just going to jump in my Jeep and drive there.
0: Oh, yeah. You told me the story, which is fucking dope.
2: Yeah. So I jumped in my car and I just drove there. Yeah. I, I made the road trip. I needed to be in the room and I just needed to know that I can physically be a, 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 ran- a small kid made out of the Midwest to be in the room with a, a People who are just 10 levels above him. Mm-hmm. I just need to physically know that I can get there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, cool. Let's build. Mm-hmm. So anyways, one of the lessons I learned from uh, Jordan Shallow um, is that you're in the people business. People mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. You can be as, far, as smart as you fucking want. No one gives a lick. No. If you can't connect, you can't apply anything. Mm-hmm. So you gotta have to work with people first. And it's like, okay. Lesson learned. Work with people. So draw all the way back, <laughs> learned that lesson. Yeah. <laughs> Came back, I mean, I learned other things. And I'm in the office and everything, and I'm like, okay, how do I re- reframe this? How can I do this in a better way? How can I actually apply, get better at my craft? Because mm-hmm. if I can get better at my craft, no one can ever take that away from me, and I can only build from there. Because mm-hmm. the wider my base, the, more, the higher I can build up, mm-hmm. the more I can build. So I'm like, okay, cool, let's master my craft. What is my craft? I thought it was just training in the gym. No, it's more than that, it's just speaking to people. How can you move and influence people with exercise? How can you get them to move? Everyone knows that they should exercise. Everyone knows how to uh, rudimentally like squat and stuff. Mm -hmm. But how can you actually get someone to believe that they can do it and break down some of those uh, internal barriers? Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. I'm in a clinic room with all the things against me with someone who's the exact opposite of me. This is the opportunity that God wanted me to be in for a lesson to learn this. Let's make it as hard as fucking possible. Let's do it. And so I've practiced. I've practiced, talked to patients over and over. And I've had patients who I've got them to move for the first time. I was able to get her to get her grip strength strong enough to open her pickle jar and do some housework over the phone over three months. She's never met me, doesn't know a lick. And I was able to coach her through the phone and do that. She broke down some barriers, learned how to her grip strength and now she can do her quality of life increase probably by one percent but that one percent is everything yeah so yeah. i did that i've talked to this, uh, a lady out of um skin surgery because she was like oh skin surgery uh lost weight skin and i had no idea that she was even there for skin surgery mm-hmm. or to have the consultation and i talked to her and she's like i'm gonna choose exercise so she canceled her, her surgery she talked to the surgeon afterwards he came in told me And I'm not trying to, like, toot my horn on that, but I'm like, that was sick. I had no no idea. She never even brought that up.
0: You're making real change. Like, this isn't more... This isn't just, like, somebody just trying to get a little bit fitter and get, like, six-pack abs. Like, you're making fundamental change in people's lives. Like, that independence of being able to open things for her was probably one of the best feelings in the world for her. And you did that over the phone. Like, some of these people have never had anybody believe in themselves or talk about this kind of stuff. And it's probably really sensitive. And you're... Ability to communicate and connect with people and make them feel safe enough to even be open to changing their life, even in a small way. That's like, just like you were talking about before. Connection is everything. Communicating, connecting with people, persuasion. like That's probably one of the hardest skills that people have to learn as a coach, but the most effective thing. So that's really cool that you took a position. Again, we were just talking about this, the growth mindset. You're going into a job that you didn't feel connected with. And instead of saying, like, screw it, I'm going to leave, you're like, what's the opportunity here? And you've used it. And you've become a much better coach because of it. You're reaching people that most people can't reach as a coach. And that's, again, like, (laughs) you do a really great job of downplaying everything. But everything that you've been able to achieve thus far in your life, it's just, like, one, it's just, all these different traits of successful people, right and so it give yourself like 10 like 10, like five ten years you keep this track he's gone places just saying I call it
2: I'm finally gonna get the girl
0: <laughs> just don't don't I'm jump kidding. over a couch, please N- Jesus
2: never can jump over a couch No you, you might blow an ACL Do your hamstring work that's it <laughs> Um, so, okay, so yeah, so all those things, and the lesson I learned with this um, is like, how can you get another human being to care about something as much as you do? Hmm. That's the biggest thing because when it was, I care so deeply about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Another person may who love math and engineering fucking loves numbers, mm-hmm. I can care less. Number made sense in school, you throw letters in. I was like, what the fuck's happening? <laughs> and then you throw full words in. Yeah. What the fuck's happening? I'm never going to get that. <laughs> so I had to flip the table on that and was mm-hmm. like, okay, how did, what is the core base of all the things for me? Where's the start? Where, where's, where's the spark?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: How do I give them a, how do I give them a, a sliver of my spark? Mm-hmm. And that spark is what's going to trickle and ripple everything away. Like mm-hmm. when you throw a rock in a pond, mm-hmm that's where everything starts. You get the big waves at the very end. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I don't need to talk to these people about how to do a bridge, how to do their best core exercises. Cause that's, that's like 10 years down the line. That doesn't fucking matter.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: What can I give them today in my 10 minute conversation that's going to ripple
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I'm passing my obsession, my fire to them. How can I give them a piece of me mm-hmm. for them to do something with it so they can move?
1: Mhm.
2: And that's the question I go and I try to center myself every time I talk to a person is how can I give a piece of me to them for them to carry? And if I can do that, then I know I'm on the right path. And I know that's why I love this stuff and why I'm coaching people now and doing this is cuz there's like have you heard of the word uh Ikigai?
1: Mhm.
2: It's that intersection between everything it's like the thing you loved, the thing that you're good at, the thing that will uh, give you uh, financial security, all these other fucking fragments, and they, you there's that intersection in the middle. And for some fucking reason, <laughs> it's exercise and nutrition for me.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I am so mad that it is. <laughs> why? Because I'm like, this the road I'm on is so hard. <laughs> Anything
0: worth doing is hard. I know. Anything worth doing is hard.
2: And I only want to go against the grain in every single path I I, I go down. Which is good. Which it's, I know, but it's such a scam because everything gets harder.
0: (laughs) It's just a scam. Yeah, the more you do it, the harder it gets.
2: Uh, Like, I want this so bad.
0: Can I, can I point something out before you change the subject? Go ahead. You're just talking about, you're just trying to find that smart, a spark that creates that ripple effect to inspire people to care about this as much as you do. Mm Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's the topic that they're really interested in or gaining them something that they can do within the 10 minutes. Yeah. You know what else is going to be the spark? No. You telling your story.
2: I see what you did there. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that you're like, I'm
0: always looking for that spark. Guess what? Your story is that freaking spark. um,
2: I saw what you did there. Yeah,
0: because people, they communicate in stories. Not science, not... it's stories you can always bring it in because it helps right but people have always connected and communicated in stories Mm -hmm. and so you see all these people that are extremely influential they have amazing stories behind it that other people can see themselves in it and they're like oh my gosh I went through something similar or I went through adversity like this person and this person was able to completely change their life maybe I can too They can connect with you in that way. That's the best way to connect with people is stories.
2: And that is, I love that you brought that up because that's my number one intention for this year. Yeah. Tell better stories.
0: Start with your story. Which? I'm going to be annoying. I'm going to be the annoying friend. Start with your story. Like this is, okay guys, this is the first time Calvin has shared this story. So if you're listening to this, hold him accountable and tell him to share this story over and over and over again because it is inspiring it is i've heard a lot of different stories and your story is just as inspiring as anybody else out there
2: it's been a hoot so far
0: you do like that word hoot
2: it's so cool
0: it is but it's like not appropriate for (laughs) explaining what you're like downplaying it again
2: no okay i love (laughs) using that word because it makes everyone giggle
0: Okay, that's true. (laughs) That's very true. It is a good one.
2: And we all need to smile more. Yeah. So that's why I say it's a hoot Mm -hmm. or it could be a hoot and a half. A whole (laughs) half? Wow.
0: Uh, Well, I just want to say thank you for sharing your story. I know going through my own experience, I had to go through the same thing where I, I understood that, like, I had my own experiences and I also didn't like to share it because I also knew people are harder than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was also kind of feeling like I was like, you know, those people are on social media. They're, they're just using it for their own personal diary. Right. Right. Or just validation. Like that's, I've never wanted to be that type of person. I'm sure that you haven't either. So it's really hard to want to share that story. And so when you finally first do, it's unnerving. It is super scary, and then you feel, like, completely icky and wrong. But I really appreciate you being open to sharing your story and also me being annoying and making (laughs) you share your story. I swear he's safe, guys. I didn't force him. I am safe. (laughs) And I'm pretty positive that it's really, really inspiring.
2: Well, thank you for being very persistent. You're welcome. That's my personality.
0: I'm very persistent, and opinionated. If you don't like opinionated people, I'm not your person.
2: Well, I appreciate you being you and dragging my butt out here.
0: Yep. You're welcome. Anytime.
2: Okay.
0: High five. Good
2: job. (sighs) Well, that's a wrap. You guys got a fraction of my story. Um,
0: That's just a fraction?
2: Yeah. Anyways.
0: Part two coming soon. (laughs)
2: so yeah, life's a hoot but again, thank you guys for hanging with us and your time matters to me and if you've hung around this whole time listening we really appreciate it thank you so much and if any any piece or sliver of my story helps you or you know it may help someone else to hear it, to not feel alone to give them hope something, whatever share it, and thank you so much, I really do appreciate it, and if you have your own story of something like this, do you want to share it, it gets off your chest, not feel so alone with it, I will read every single one of it, and yeah, just thank you so much for hanging with us, Um,
3: like, share, comment, subscribe, all the good things, and help the channel grow,